Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us today. And I am here with my new friend, Carly Jurich. Thank you so much, Carly, for making time for us today. Absolutely. Not a problem. And and we were chatting just before we got started here, but you just got in uh, on a flight into New York this morning and had to kind of fight through traffic to make it to a place <laughs> where you could chat with us. So uh, amidst your hectic schedule, thank you for making time for us. Absolutely, it's. I mean, those are those are the kind of normal things in my life. <laughs> do you so. do you find yourself traveling a lot? Um, I do actually, and so right now is the the majority of my travel season is during the winter. I am definitely a summer being, so I pretty much travel as much as I can when it's snowing at home, so that I don't have to be there for it. <laughs> okay, and where's home for you? I am born and raised in Lake Tahoe, California, um, and I've lived mostly out of a suitcase for about the last five years um, and internationally for part of that. But at the moment, Tahoe is still my home base. That's where my office is. That's where my family is. And so that's, that, that's home base for always. So That's cool. Well, and, and we're going to get into your, your travel experiences, I think, here in just a little bit. But we normally start off the book of podcasts with something called the aha moment. And okay. this is kind of an opportunity for you to share an experience or maybe a sh- series of experiences that you had in your photography business that were a turning point. Uh, maybe a learning experience that led to a change for the positive. Did you have something like that? I did. Um, and it's actually, it's kind of a funny story because it's it's a turning point in my business, but it was also the start of my business. So okay. like I mentioned, I um, moved internationally. Um, I've sort of lived abroad for a couple different reasons, but I moved to Australia in October of 2015 to open a studio with one of my best friends who was my studio partner when I worked on a cruise line. And so we were planning on opening a a business together, you know, getting our lives together. We had worked so wonderfully together on cruise ships and had been roommates and everything like that. And, you know, you really know a person when you spend about 20 hours a day with them for five and a half straight months. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's a lot. (laughs) Um, So we uh, were set to open our business. We were working on everything, getting our website together, getting our logo together, figuring out pricing, you know, the, the basics of, okay, where do we go from here? How do we start? And about a week and a half before we were set to launch our website, she decided that she didn't want to go into business anymore. Um, so yeah, so that was definitely like a big, like, okay, what do I do from here? Where do I go from here? And it's really hard because I, I hate that I feel sad for her that she didn't decide to go into business. Um, and I know that a lot of it was just the fear that all of us feel when we go into business for ourselves. Um, you know, what if we don't get any bookings? What if we don't make any money? How are we going to do this? How are we going to deal with this? And, and all of that. And I was just like, it'll work out. You know, we're both, we're both talented. We've run a business before we've done all of these other things and we have all the training that we needed from ships. Um, and even with in-person sales through that. And she was just like, I just can't do this. I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to work out for any of this. And I just, I, you know, there's no guarantees. And I was like, okay, I understand where you're coming from, um, but I think you're wrong. <laughs> so I went ahead and um, opened our business anyways by myself. And this was um, in Australia, think, correct? This was in Australia. So I lived in Australia. And so I had about six months before I was headed back to the States. I had a wedding that I was going to be shooting anyways in the States. 
when I had moved to Australia in the first place. So I knew I was going back. So I just made that my end date and decided to kind of have that time abroad um, to to work on the back end of my business and do as much as I could. But I think the, the biggest turning point was then having her leave me was it it became this like, okay, I have to do everything by myself. I can do everything by myself. Hmm. And I did everything by myself for about a year. So when I finally got back to the United States is when I would officially consider my business open. Uh, I only did one photo shoot in Australia in that entire time, but I did a lot of back work. I booked weddings through a wedding website. Um, I used McDonald's free Wi-Fi every single night to send <laughs> weddings and write emails and respond in a 15-hour different uh, time zone. Wow. So, and had Skype interviews with brides and different things like that that I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning just to be able to talk to them on their schedules. And, and I was like, I can do this. I can do this all by myself. I can do all this all by myself. Um, and what I really found was so about Six months ago, I finally reached out and I was like, I need somebody to help me. I just can't do this all by myself. Um, I just, I even just need somebody to check in and say, did you get everything done today? You know, what are you working on? Can you, can you fill me in? Um, do you need advice on this or anything like that? And so as you and I both know, the Rising Tide Society is based on that entire everything. Um, and so I, I reached out actually in a, a Facebook group that I'm part of for um, the Amazing Start Planner. And one of the girls that I met at United last year, Lee, she reached out and was like, yeah, I'd love to be your accountability partner and you can hold me accountable as well. And, you know, we're we're kind of on the sca- same skill level. We are nowhere near each other. She lives in Minnesota and I live in California. Um, but we run similar businesses in a lot of ways. And it has been the biggest blessing to my business to have somebody else to not even necessarily rely on to, but to be able to share those burdens of being a business owner Absolutely. With, uh, and have all of those things. And we couldn't be more opposite in so many ways. You know, she's a mom and she, she lives in Minnesota and she's got a husband and she's a military wife and all these things. And I'm, you know, 28 and single and <laughs> travel all the time. And it's, it's just completely different, but you know, just having that, that connection with somebody else and having somebody just to say, you know, how, how is your business doing? Um, and check in and hold me accountable has been honestly the biggest, biggest difference in my life. And, and knowing that I can't actually do it all alone, even though I wanted to try, I guess. <laughs> no, I totally hear you. And I feel you on that too. Cause I, I think I have a tendency in some regards to be that way, not only because of that, uh, I guess, drive to prove myself, but then also I, uh, much of the impetus behind the businesses that I create at this point is for the sake of freedom and flexibility. And, and much of that mm-hmm. is centered around the notion of individuality. I can I can yeah. do it on my own. I don't need to be surrounded with the team. And yet what has really hit home in the last well, number of years, really, but particularly in the last year or two, is just a realization because I do work remotely from yep. my production team and from my customer service team and from mm-hmm. management and my partners, mm-hmm. the, the significance of community. And oh, I, you know, I realize that, especially when I go to a place where, where you and I connected, which is at the United mm-hmm. Conference, where you're surrounded by people who are just crazy about connecting with each other and having real Absolutely. conversation and, and ultimately supporting each other, like you were saying. And it's, it's a really good reminder. I'm glad that we started off this way, because whether it's a local photography group um, or the Rising Tide Society or whatever type of community that you can somehow get in touch with and get involved with in one way or another, and you, whether that leads to constant connection with a larger community or, like okay. you were describing, at least a connection with an individual who you can hold accountability with, who you can support, uh, and vice versa. 
and and just ultimately have conversation with somebody who is like-minded. All of these things are really, really important for our mental health. (laughs) It is. It's, and I think that's, and that's the biggest struggle is that like, like I can do it by myself. I can do it by myself. I can do it by myself. But when you're saying I can do everything by myself, you just end up alone a lot of the time. And it's just, it's really hard to, you know, and I can, I can talk to my friends about things, but like my friends don't understand so much of my business. And if I'm like, and if this and in-person sales and this and this and this, and they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. Like that's (laughs) So they can listen to me, you know, they can listen to me, but they're not going to be able to, to give me feedback other than, you know, my, my worst thing that I hate from my friends. I'm like, don't tell me it just looks pretty. Like if you like this photograph, tell me why, tell me why it connects with you or why it moves you. Don't tell me it's beautiful. Like, oh, it's beautiful. is great. But I need more than that. And I need you to be constructive with me. I need criticism. I need these other things. And I think that that's what I was seriously lacking after, you know, having, this mindset of, Oh, I'm going into business with another person. And then it didn't happen. And so, so, I mean, I look at it definitely as a blessing in disguise, but that the whole aha moment started before I even started (laughs) before I even started my business. So it's, it's just one of those things, you know, I can do it all by myself and no, I really can't. So really can't. Yeah, no, that's a great reminder. And and again, I really appreciate you starting us off with that. And, and speaking of meeting at United, I I, want to start with um, kind of a, a funny story. I think what, what initially created conversation between us when we were there at United was I noticed uh, you had a Batman themed lens. Tell us about that. <laughs> I do. So my little nifty 50, my 50 millimeter one eight, um, has a Batman lens grip, except for that. It's not a lens grip, right? Yeah. Um, it is, it's actually, it's one of those rubber bracelets that like little kids wear. And so, so it actually came from, from working on cruise ships and one of the guys on my team, when I was on ship. So I ran a private photo studio for Norwegian Cruise Lines. I worked for them on and off for about two years. And so while I was on one of my ships and, and my team members, his wife was uh, also a photographer and coming to the ship. And so she brought everybody a different superhero lens grip for us. And so everybody got to choose one. And and I put it on my 50 millimeter because that's, you know, the one that I'll just throw on my camera and throw in my bag and take everywhere. And I just loved it. And I thought it was fun. And it honestly has become such a conversation piece. Little kids love it. Uh, every little boy from little families and everything like that they're like oh my gosh I love that it's Batman. <laughs> like yeah absolutely um and it definitely becomes a talking point and it's so funny because I don't even really realize that I have it on there anymore I'm so used to seeing it like that and then I'll see somebody else's 50 millimeter and I'm like what lens is that and I'm like oh it doesn't have a Batman thing on it I get it okay seriously yeah how boring is that <laughs> yeah well it's such a simple thing but I'm, I'm amazed that more people haven't done it I, I think there's totally a business opportunity for you for you to create like branded we'll call them lens grips but these yeah, little bracelets absolutely. um I mean it's it's such a fun thing you guys have to get you have a picture of this on your Instagram account don't you I do have a picture of it on my Instagram account. Okay, yes. so if, if you guys don't follow Carly on Instagram yet, make sure you go to Instagram, uh, Someplace Images, correct? Yep, Someplace Images. Follow Carly there at Someplace Images and go check out her Batman lens grip. It's pretty brilliant. Um, <laughs> and it was a, it really was a great conversation starter. I'm glad that you did it for no other reason than we got to connect. So oh, yeah, now we're here in this conversation. But <laughs> tell us a little bit about you, like a day in the life right now. What does that look like? And, and then ultimately, what do you like to do with your free time? Oh, gosh. So a day in my life. My life is, I I would definitely say that I, I don't have a normal day. Like I said, right, uh, you know, winter is kind of my, my travel season. So during the summer, I have a little bit more of a, a structured life um, with weddings every 
either every weekend or every other weekend, depending on um, where I am and, and what's happening. I do travel in the summer. I usually spend about a month in Europe every year. Um, it's fallen. This year it was in the spring. Last year it was in the middle of summer. But it's how did that start? I mean, you, you just say that so nonchalantly, but most of us don't get to spend a month in Europe every year. That's pretty great. No, I know. <laughs> I, I, I do say it nonchalantly, and I, I'm very lucky. So, and a lot of that actually comes from from working on cruise ships as well, which I know that we'll we'll talk about in a little bit. But I have so many friends in international places, and having lived in Australia, a lot of my friends are from England, and people that I've gone to visit, and just trips. And then upcoming this summer, I'll actually I'll be back in Europe again, um, probably for a shorter trip. I have my first big international national wedding that's not an actual friend's wedding. Um, I shot a wedding in Latvia last summer. I'm shooting a wedding in Scotland this summer. Wow. So I'm, so I'm working on that. Um, but so yeah, so a day in the life for me is during the summer, it's a little bit more structured. I get up usually every morning around 4.30 and I go work out. 4.30? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's I'm, also I'm, a bit <laughs> unusual. What, like, have you always been the, the early riser? A little bit. I, I played music in high school. I was in early bird jazz band for six years. Nice. Um, What instrument? I played three, actually. I played trombone, baritone, and tuba. So in jazz, trombone. But yeah, so I, early hasn't ever been an issue. I'm actually way better of an early morning person. Like I can get up at four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. No problem. Like 8am. I'm like, leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it is. I think the earlier it is, I'm perfectly fine with being up and awake. And I I feel like I can get a lot more done during those hours. But my whole family is kind of like that. Um, My dad and my brother are, I I live with my parents off and on because I do travel so much. So I don't have a full-time lease or rent or anything anywhere. So I live with my parents off and on. And so I work out with my mom in the mornings and the gym that we go to is a CrossFit gym and it's in the building that my dad owns. And my dad and my brother show up there for work, um, usually around 5.30 every morning. So everybody's there every morning. We're definitely, we're definitely a family of early risers. And so during the summer, so I'll go work out. Um, I'll get home from working out, up in the shower and then get up and have a cup of coffee, sit down, usually try and make a to-do list for my day and get as much of that done as I can. I try to get things done before 8 or 9 a.m. And then I'll give myself a little bit of free time to usually just relax or go get another cup of coffee, Um, (laughs) (laughs) which is what I, you know, survive on. And then, then going from there, it just depends on what my day looks like. If I've I've done a ton of sessions and I just have a ton of editing to do, I tried to give myself a little bit more of a structured life and be like, Monday is going to be an editing day and Tuesday is going to be a print order day. And that did not work for me. (laughs) (laughs) You like the freedom, that flexibility, huh? I do. I do. I'm trying to structure myself a little bit more in, in giving myself hours. I've stopped responding to client emails after 6 PM and that's been a thing. It's been a really big thing. Um, I've, I've, cut back on texting my clients. And that's also been a very big thing, which yeah. is hard. I'm from a very small town. So like I, I, a lot of my clients are my friends. And so when they text me and they're like, Hey, let's have a glass of wine. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, Hey, what about my print order? And I'm like, no, don't do that. Um, yep. <laughs> so, so that's, that's been big to implement. But yeah, it just depends on on what I've had, you know, in my week prior or what I've got working on. And there's, there's a lot of things. Um, I, I work uh, part time sometimes in construction for my dad. I run I'm, I, I'm a crazy person when I tell you this, I run a boulder saw. So Whoa. It's a gigantic machine that uh, runs on a CNC program and I cut boulders for a uh, for my dad's company. He does excavation and hardscaping and landscaping. So I do custom custom boulders for people's houses. I, I get um, the sense just, just hearing uh, all of this, this, this stuff <laughs> so like, far. There is, there is no regular day. Well, no, life. but that's great. But you love, <laughs> yeah, you, you love variety. I mean, and, and I can, I can totally relate that. I'm, in fact, I'm realizing that more and more 
um, you know, for a while it was it was something like, well, I I just like to work in short spurts, but it, it goes beyond that. I think I I do like the the mental stimulation that comes from doing a variety of things. And and there's something, in fact, there's so much to be said for being able to sit and focus, whether it's, you know, sit yes. and focus on, on, and read something or yep. study something or brainstorm or, you know, work out a problem for your business. But yep. at, at the end of the day, the, one of the coolest things about being a business owner is that you can have variety oh, yes. in your life if you create it for yourself. You can change things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it's, it's been nice. And, and I do, I, I do like to work in short spurts. Um, and so, like I said, you know, trying to have things done before 9am and, and sometimes I would go to work and I would go cut boulders and, um, but even being at work, you know, then it's a process of, I have to have people move boulders on and off of my tray and everything like that. So during that time, I'd usually have about half an hour and I'd say, okay, I'm going to watch a video from a course, or I'm going to read this one chapter of a business book, or I'm going to do something like this. And so it's, it's a lot of multitasking, but when I'm just sitting there in the sunshine, it's not so horrible. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Okay. So, so then like, what do you do? So, I mean, you've got your photography business, you're cutting boulders, but then what do you do for, for fun? Like what's the, I mean, you're obviously having fun doing this, but like, what do you do if you're, if you're not working? I I do love to cook a lot. It gets a little hectic when I'm traveling all the time and I don't get to cook. That's it's definitely disappointing for me at least. I mean, obviously everybody loves to eat out every once in a while, but I don't love to eat out all the time. Sure. Which is a hard part of travel. But I do I enjoy to cook. Um I enjoy I, I have a great group of friends at home who, you know, just roll with the punches with my crazy schedule and just being able to meet up with my friends and we'll do we have craft nights, we do, you know, different things like that. We'll go see plays, we'll go play kickball. We'll, we'll just go hang out um, and have a good time. One of my friends is a chef, so there's always a lot of eating involved and drinking wine. That sounds like lots of fun. Getting <laughs> yep, out with those people during the summer. My office is actually across the street from the beach, so I spend as much time at the beach as I possibly can. How cool! Um, and usually with a book in my hand. If if there's one thing that I can say I guarantee I'm doing with my free time, it's reading. So that's hands down the first the first thing that I turn to. Do you read fiction or non fiction? What's your preference? I prefer fiction, but I'll read a variety of pretty much everything. I go through phases of what I want to read. I mean, I sat down this summer while boulder sawing and uh, read the entire Harry Potter series again in like 10 days. Whoa. Um, I'm, I'm, and I, I read incredibly fast, so I just absorb books and I can, you know, plow through fantasy series and everything like that. I am unfortunately not that fast at reading different things like business books because it's my mind's churning in a completely different way and things like that. But I, I love to sit down and read mostly, mostly fantasy, um, science fiction. I do love historical fiction, but I'll, I'll read the occasional nonfiction depending on what it is. Sure. Sure. Okay. So I'm, yep. I'm listening to this though. And, and like I said, I love the variety that, that your <laughs> yeah. life is. How do you then create time for your, or maintain, I guess, some type of freedom, flexibility to do things like spending time with your friends and cooking and reading and so forth? Um, while also running a business and not having necessarily like the most, um, and, and this is of course far from a criticism, but the most organized kind of day-to-day life, how do you make sure that you get all the things done that you need to while also having that free time? Say if I shoot a wedding on a Saturday, um, by Monday or Tuesday, I'm usually done calling it um, and then getting through my editing process, depending on what package they have going through an album design. And I'm trying to have things like that done in two weeks. But if it's a wet weekend that I don't have a wedding, then I don't necessarily have that workload. So I have my workload per event per se. Sure. Um, and so that's how I can sit down and, and structure a week. I can't necessarily structure a week like, okay, yeah, Tuesday, I'm going to do all this every single week because it, it never ends up being the same. And I do have such a variety in, um, 
even just where I'm going and, and what I'm shooting, I shoot a lot of weddings that are not in Lake Tahoe, which um, is a huge part of my business. How many weddings will you shoot? At, let's say 2017. How many weddings did you have? 2017, I had 15 weddings this year. That's a nice workload. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I've been in business for about a year and a half. So I'm feeling pretty accomplished with that Good one. Good for honestly. you. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so 2018 is shaping up pretty nicely. And I have, you know, a huge opportunity to travel with a portrait client, actually. So that's, you know, taking away from, from weddings, and I am turning weddings down for that. But that's a choice that I'm making for, you know, I love to travel, I love to do all these things. And I'm getting to turn around and do something else that I love, which is women's portraiture. So glamour shoots and boudoir um, in a couple different foreign countries. And, and that's me. those opportunities are things that I love, love, yeah. love to take. So, so it, it, my structured workload just comes from whatever is on my plate at the moment, if that makes sense. I like that, though. I mean, there, there's something that's kind of, you know, it, we hear all the time, be present. But but mm-hmm. your version of being present, at least with your business, is, hey, I've got this on my plate right now. I focus on it. I get it done. And then I move on to the next thing. Exactly. I, I like and that. That's And that's the most efficient way that I've learned how to work. And, and actually, I can honestly say that a lot of that comes from... So I went to Savannah College of Art and Design in Savannah, Georgia. And it is a very high-stress, high-workload school. You have 10-week quarters, and you go to class twice a week. So you know if you walk into a portfolio class um, or senior project or anything like that, your professor will be like, you critique every Tuesday. You have to have new work once a week for all of this stuff. And so learning to work under that type of pressure and create new work constantly and have it done within seven days. I was like, this is never going to apply in the real world. <laughs> it does if you work on a cruise ship, which is not the real world. But um, <laughs> but on a ship, you know, I would, on my higher end weeks of being on a cruise ship, I would do 30 shoots in a week. All of those would be shot, cold, edited, and then sit down for an ordering session with every single one of those clients within seven days. And wow. so working at that super high volume definitely gave me a skill set of having everything finished within that timely manner. Um, and then obviously if they're ordering something, the retouching falls, you know, towards the back end, it doesn't have to be done the second that they get off the ship because things are then uploaded through a row system and everything like that. And done the same way that, you know, most of us all run our businesses. Oh, for. the beast that is rose, huh? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so doing that and getting all the retouching done and the ordering done, but all yeah. of our retouching and ordering still had to be done within the week after that, which of course then, if, if you let it pile up, you know, you have a 30, 30 shoot week and say 25 of them purchase, then you have 25 orders to place. Um, and if though, if you don't get those taken care of before your next week starts, then you're just, you're drowning. And, you know, occasionally you'll be like, Oh great. I only had, you know, 12 shoots this week. But then, um, the, the corporate part of it is then, you know, shore side going, okay, well you only had 12 shoots this week. What's wrong? Why aren't you doing this? What's, where's this coming from? You need to, you know, be looking at your budget and you need to be looking wow. at this. So, yeah. It, it was definitely, it was a, it was a big thing, and it was it was a lot, and so I definitely have learned a lot from that type of workflow. Um, well, yeah, have, you didn't you didn't have any space to be able to put things off. I mean, it's so easy as wedding photographers to to just kind of put things off. Um, you know, I told them six weeks, so I've got time to get this done. But yep. yeah, I, I I love that though. I love that you learned the importance of getting it done now, and it probably minimizes stress and the bigger at the bigger picture level. It does. It definitely does. It's wonderful. And and there's uh, a company that I work for. Actually, I freelance for them. They're called Flytographer. They're a global vacation photographer. Um, And when I shoot for them, they have, and we have to be done with our shoots within 48 hours. And so, and I like that time crunch because it, it gives me that faster deadline. And I try to put those on 
myself with my weddings. I mean, obviously sometimes it's, you know, it's just not possible, you know, I'm on a flight or I'm driving somewhere, especially for a lot of my weddings within California, Nevada, um, Oregon and Washington, um, which are all, you know, bordering states essentially to California there. I guess Washington's not bordering, but close enough. I'll drive to my weddings. So I'm, I'm looking at eight to 10 hours of driving to get there um, and then turning around and driving back. So that cuts, you know, a whole day out of my workflow. Wow. But that's when I sit in my car and I listen to podcasts and I try to, you know, voice, <laughs> voice to text, uh, talk to myself and write notes yeah. um, and do different things like that and use, use that eight hours of just sitting and I can't do anything else as efficiently as possible. But it, it cuts into that time and I try to set those deadlines as much as I can. But, you know. Sometimes it'll be three weeks before I get something done. <laughs> wow. Well, okay, you talked about cruise ships, though, multiple times. And mm-hmm. I'd love for you to yeah. just kind of share with our listeners how you even got into the world of photography on cruise ships. How did that whole process begin? Absolutely. So it, the whole cruise ship thing actually kind of started as a joke in college. Like I said, I went to Savannah College of Art and Design. And our senior year of college, we have a class called Business Practices for Photography, which as much as I love my professor did not prepare me for the real world of being a business owner. <laughs> it, was a, it was a lot more based on shooting corporate work okay. and a, or shooting fine art. There was not really a, a actually being a, a full-on business owner type process. Again, it's only a 10-week course and it's the like last semester of college and all of us are just ready to be out. Sure. <laughs> But my professor was talking about, you know, just different options of careers in photography that aren't conventional and all of this other stuff. And he's like, and you know, there's just, he's like, it's something that only very particular people could do. And he looks at me and he goes, and if you could work on a cruise ship and just smile all the time and do all of those type of things. And he's like, and Carly, he's like, you're one of the only people I've met who would be able to do that. And everybody in my class laughed and everybody kind of joked about it. And I was like, oh yeah, haha, cruise ship Carly. Like, and then I found myself out of uh, college about a year. And I did a crazy thing. I talked my way onto a ship that's on the deadliest catch on Discovery Channel. Um, So I talked my way into freelancing for The Wizard that's featured on that show. My uncle is one of the captains. That's so cool. I was like, I want to go with you to Alaska. And he's like, why? And I was like, because I've wanted to go since I was like five. Please let me go. Had you ever even been on a ship before? Not really. Uh, I'd been on a cruise once when I was 18 for my 18th birthday. My parents took me and my brother and my my whole family went, but that was about it. I'd never really been on a ship, but far before the deadliest catch was ever a popular thing, um, my uncle was still a captain of a ship that that had never changed. And so when I was a little girl, he would bring me home all these seashells and pictures of whales and walruses. And like, I was like, I'm going to be a mermaid when I grow up and, you know, things like that. So (laughs) from the time that I was small, being, you know, seeing my uncle's ship and being able to do things like that was like, oh my gosh, this would be amazing. So when I was living in Seattle um, and they were in port for dry dock, I convinced him that he needed to take me to Alaska with him. And he called my dad and asked him if it was okay. And my dad was like, I don't think you can really tell Carly no. She's not really very good at hearing that. So my uncle was like, okay, that sounds good. So I talked my way onto that ship and I got to go and photograph and freelance um, and get to know the crew on the Wizard really well. We just took the ship from Seattle to Dutch Harbor and then they went and dropped the pots for storage. And then I got to be in Dutch Harbor and on Alaska for a few days um, before I flew back. And I'd actually moved the day before I left from Portland or from Seattle to Portland. And I got back to Portland and I was depressed on having left an adventure. And I was like, that was the best thing of my entire life and nothing is ever going to beat this. So 
all of my friends on Facebook were like, oh my gosh, you just did this and it's so amazing. And I was posting pictures and, and everything like that. And my friend Megan called me and she was like, I know this sounds completely crazy. She was like, but I just got it offered a job by Norwegian Cruise Lines and I'm not going to take it. I'm staying with my boyfriend and in Savannah. And she's like, I just think you should look into it. And I was like, yeah, okay. I mean, everybody had joked about it, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But like, yeah, after being on a ship like this, being on another ship sounds amazing. I looked it up and they had a hiring fair in Portland the next day. And I was like, well, if that's not a sign, <laughs> I don't really know what it is. Seriously. Yeah. What an opportunity. Um, yeah. So I went to an interview the next day. It was just a general interview. They had the photo manager call me. I think it was about two weeks later. I did an interview. I did a Skype interview with them and I, they hired me, I think the next day. Wow. Um, started about three months after that. It's definitely a process to get on ships for medical and all of this other stuff. So I flew to Miami and joined my first ship in January of 2013. And I left Norwegian Cruise Lines in December of 2014. Um, and in that process, I was on four different ships and I ran a private studio on three of them. I also took a little hiatus from Norwegian Cruise Lines and I worked for Semester at Sea for their last summer term that they did, which was uh, summer of 2014, which did Northern Europe. So I did England, Portugal, Spain, Scotland, Ireland, Norway, Sweden, Finland, and Poland. And My Russia. word. <laughs> in one summer. After that, I, I returned back to Norwegian Cruise Lines. I was only there for a little little time after that, running a studio. And I just, I just realized it wasn't for me after I had had such an adventure on Semester at Sea. And I, I came back to it and, and the crazy workload of, you know, 30 shoots a week and doing all this other stuff. And the client is always right no matter what. Yeah. Just kind of hurt my soul for lack of better words. Sure. It was so hard, um, to just have the corporate overlook of it all as well being, you know, why didn't you make this much money this week? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this? And on my last ship, it was one of the older ships. We were sailing out of Tampa. We had an older demographic most of the time. And, I shot more 50th wedding anniversaries than anything else, <laughs> which was really great. But people who are mostly celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary, they want to purchase an eight by 10 and that's it. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't want wall collections. They didn't want this. And the corporate overlook of, of Shoreside was saying, well, this is what you need to sell them. And I'm right. like, I can't do it anymore. And the hard thing is I, I loved my job so much. I was killing myself over it. I was... When, and you talked a little bit about this idea of, of burnout and reference yeah. to life on a cruise ship. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So in, in the longest stint that I was essentially at sea. So my first ship, my first ship was short. I was there for three and a half months and then I dislocated my knee in the Bahamas and was medically debarked and sent home to recover. Um, so I took about a month and a half off to recover my knee and then they flew me to New York to join a new ship. And so I stepped onto the Norwegian gem <laughs> running a studio that I had never been in. And I had, I had just been promoted to studio photographer before I dislocated my knee. So I was like, okay, great. I don't even know what I'm doing here. I didn't have anybody to train me. They they kind of just had somebody who was like, oh, this is kind of how it works and you can figure it out for yourself. I sent a thousand emails to the girl who had run the studio before me asking questions and getting caught up on her work and doing all of these other things. And so I was on that ship for four and a half months. That's where I met my was going to be business partner. And we were probably working 65, 70 hour weeks running the studio, both of us. Wow constant shoots and we offered so either in our private studio which was right beside the pool deck or we would offer around the ship shoots or depending on our ports of call we would offer on location photo shoots so Norwegian Cruise Lines owns a private island we would shoot there I've shot in Boston and Maine um, Nova Scotia a bunch of different places and how many how long would a session an average session last Generally, we booked 30-minute sessions if it was up to six people and then you're shooting you said up to 30 of those a week yeah 
Wow. Um, and then, and we'd have a viewing and ordering session with every single client, which generally we booked for about an hour. Sometimes people would need more than that. But the last day of the cruise was always like a 16 hour day, you know, starting in the morning and going as late as we possibly could to get all of our orders placed, to get um, every single viewing session in, all of that other stuff. So those were super long days, and then you get back in. And the thing about cruise ships, I always, I loved this question. We would get in, and people were like, oh, well, when do you leave again? And we're like, well, this afternoon. Like, you're only in port for a day, even when it's uh, a MRC day. And it's, that turnaround is then, you know, you you essentially start fresh, quote unquote, except for that you're exhausted. Wow. (laughs) Um, Within, you know, the the day of you being there. Wow. So would would you say, I mean, if you're doing 30 a week, do do you have a rough idea as to how many portrait sessions you did while working for a cruise line? Thousands. I I have full hard drives of just cruise ship sessions. Wow. Because I kept them. I kept all of my sessions. Um, I want to be able to look back at them and, and learn from them. I mean, honestly, I, I was so thankful, though, when I when I got my job in this studio. They essentially handed me this fully loaded studio with, you know, all the camera equipment, all the accessories, yeah. all the lights, all everything that I could possibly want, full sets of props, everything, and said, here you go. <laughs> like, and wow. I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? And it was it was great just to be able to learn and figure out exactly what I needed to do. And I, I did have a lot of friends on ships, obviously that I, I made and we got to shoot, you know, we do late night sessions with our friends just to, to practice, to get better, to be able to send out guidelines to other ships when, you know, people are like, Oh, your work looks really great. Can you tell us what we, what you were working with and how you did this? And we would do lighting setups and send them out as examples. And, and, you know, that's all our personal time that then we were, you know, using to educate other people in the fleet. But so, so then this is the the way cruise ships work. I got transferred. They pretty much told me, Hey, pack your bags. You leave in three days to go to the Norwegian jewel. So they, <laughs> I packed my bags. I got off the ship in New York. I flew out of JFK. I flew into Mexico. I joined the Norwegian jewel where I knew nobody after having just spent five months with all of the same people. Wow. Um, and I got to the jewel and ran the studio there. And I was running the studio by myself there instead of having a partner which is why they sent me there. They were like, oh, you're doing great. And we just think you can do, we think you can do it all by yourself. <laughs> Fantastic. And and it was, I mean, it was definitely such a compliment. Sure. But in, in the same fell swoop, I got there right before Thanksgiving of 2013. And my debark date was in January. So I was there for about six, seven weeks. And in those six to seven weeks, I probably worked 85 to 90 hours a week oh. doing all of those sessions, doing all of those ordering sessions, doing everything. One of my photo colleagues was like, you don't have to, you know, perfect every single picture. I'm like, but I love it. Like, I love what I do. And I, I want every single one of these families who's having these family sessions to love every single image. And, you know, that's, that's part of obviously why we do what we do as photographers to, you know, you want everybody to love everything that they've, that you've taken of them. You want them to have those memories and have those, those valuable moments, especially if you're on a vacation with your entire family in the Bahamas and, you know, maybe you're celebrating something big or, you know, there's just so many, it's the first time your family's been together in ages. And I wanted every image to be perfect. And I, killed myself over it. And after working those crazy hours, when I left in January, I had not not quite a breakdown, but I was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. I don't think that I can give my entire heart and soul to all of this. And then Norwegian Cruise Lines is a corporation. And at the end of the day, it was, well, why didn't you make more money? And I, it killed me. And I, 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 I left for a little while. I went to semester at sea. And when I did finally go back to Norwegian Cruise Lines after that, I sailed on the Jewel again. 
ran the studio and, and went up through Alaska and then down the entire West Coast and through the Panama Canal and then to Texas. And, and it wasn't as busy. It was definitely a, a different season, a very different ship type, um, an older demographic and things like that. And I, I just kind of found myself not caring. I still wanted to create as many perfect images as I could for everybody. Um, but I just, they'd be like, why aren't you making more money? And I'm like, because that's not what it's about. <laughs> And I, I know what it is. I do know that it is about, you know, making that and being able to do that and hit my budget for that. But they, they came down on me and they're telling me, oh, well, you can't be doing this and you can't be doing this. And you should, you should be doing more studio sessions and less on location sessions and this and this and this and this. And, and, you know, we'd have to send our top five images to the fleet every single week, um, everybody in the fleet. And when I finally had a manager be like, well, I just don't think you're up to par. And I said, please tell me who's better, who, who in the fleet has better images than I do right now, because my imagery is perfectly on point and you're just I'm just not making the money that you're asking me and so every session that I shoot I sell but I'm just not shooting 30 sessions a week anymore because I can't kill myself over this and yeah so actually I decided after he and I had had that conversation and he was quite rude about it I I sent I gave my resignation that night and I was I was done because I was just done trying to you know give my heart and my soul to these clients who I was only going to see for seven days and not ever be rewarded for it. Well, and, and not just about not being rewarded because there's at least the innate reward of, you know, as you, as you spoke to, you're able to give these people a wonderful yeah, gift. Uh, they absolutely. walk away with those images, but yeah. you're being constantly criticized for not being good enough on the sales end. And that is just exactly. absolutely defeating as can be. It's draining as can be. So I, I, how would you say, cause you have an interesting perspective now you, you were in that environment, which is mm-hmm. photographing on a cruise ship and being constantly driven to do more. And now mm-hmm. you're running your own wedding photography business Mm-hmm. And you have an interesting perspective being able to, to see both worlds. Yep. What would you, what are the takeaways with regards to burnout and finding a little bit more balance in it all? Oh gosh. Um, I think that's something going into my business. Like I said, my business, I'm, I'm only a year and a half into owning my own business. I've been shooting for 10 years professionally. So I, I definitely, it's a, it's a new thing as a business owner. It feels very different, but going into all of it, just with that burnout, I'm, I'm not necessarily selective, um, but I I know that I don't have to say yes to every single client yeah. for everything. Um, I can be selective, and especially especially with weddings, you know, I know that where I'm at with my pricing is solid. I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly that I'm fairly priced um, and doing these other things. And if somebody says, "Well, I want to negotiate this," and then I say, "I'm sorry, you're not my client." I don't, uh, you know, yeah, a couple grand would be great, but like, I don't need the stress of when you're going in telling me that I'm already doing something wrong or something that you don't like. Then it, it's we're not a perfect fit. Uh, every client is not my client, and. And that's been a big thing coming in. And I knew that already from working on ships. I had some amazing, amazing clients when I was on ships. You know, I, for a while, held the highest single sale record for Norwegian Cruise Lines. I sold almost $6,000 to one client from a cruise ship from one session, a 30-minute session with their family. Wow. And, um... And that was, you know, definitely a point of pride. And it was, it was definitely an, I can do this and I know I can do this. And I know I can, I make, I can make that type of money and I know that I'm worth that type of money. And so it's now for burnout, it's just, it's picking and choosing my clients or it's even, like I said, you know, I have a, a portrait client next year that, you know, we're going traveling together and we're doing glamour portraits and in Europe and Asia and all this other stuff. And that's me saying no to weddings because I've, I, I have had four wedding inquiries for during the time that I'm going to be with her and it's bookended with weddings on either side of that trip. But it's the ability for me to say, no, I'm sorry, I've already chosen something else and something that's 
fulfilling to me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I love that phrase there. And I, I hate to interrupt you, but the, the, the phrase, I've chosen something else. I think that kind of sums up what oh, sets yeah. a photographer apart from one who is going to get easily burned out yes. and one who is not. And, and it's very clearly understanding what it is that you're doing this for and then yes. sticking with that. Uh, because saying yes to everything will naturally lead to burnout. But if you're very clear about what you're reaching toward, and this has been kind of a theme in conversation uh, on, the, on the podcast as of late, but if mm -hmm. you're clear about what you're reaching toward, if you're clear about why you're doing what you're doing, that's a mm -hmm. major first step in the direction of minimizing the possibility of burnout. And I think that's a really great reminder for all of us. It is. It is. And I definitely, I mean, within my, my first year of business and even just into this year, so a year and a half in, um, you know, I took weddings that were, were under budget for me, but I took very specific weddings, weddings that I really, really, truly wanted to do and that I connected with the bride and groom and it was, you know, amazing and phenomenal. And I, and those are people that I've walked away from and I'm still friends and they text me, Oh my gosh, congratulations. We see you're, you're headed to New York. I'm here for an engagement session actually. So I have clients who flew me to New York so I can do their engagement session. I'm shooting their wedding in Virginia next year. And, and you know, those are the things that it's like, people are like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you would fly to New York for an engagement session. I'm like, uh, who wouldn't? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's the picking and choosing those things that I'm choosing to be here in New York for a week, even Absolutely. though I've had opportunities for shoots at home right now. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm going to be out of town because I have another shoot. I've chosen this. Um, you know, if you would like to work with me when I get back, here's my schedule, but it's, it's, it's knowing that, and it's that the burnout is, is real. And when I left ships, I was, I was so done for a little while. Um, and when I lived in Australia, which is I left ships and I came home for a little bit and then I moved to Australia and, and after my business partner decided not to be with me, um, I had that six months, I shot one session and I didn't do anything else. Um, and by the time I got home, I was itching to pick my camera up again, but I, I needed bet. that six months of that time just to, to figure out where my head was, to figure yeah. out where everything was and how I was going to make this work. And to be fair, since I got back into the United States, so, I mean, I've shot, I've shot 23 weddings in the last year and a half. So that's, a lot. <laughs> and I just, my friends are like, you never stop moving. And I'm like, well, yeah, but it's by choice. These are the things that I'm choosing to do because these are the things that I'm passionate about. And, sure. and when I was on ships, there were a few sessions that were so amazing, so wonderful, but not all of them, not of the thousands. And it was, that's what it came down to is that that burnout was just, I didn't, I didn't want to shoot anymore. It was making me hate it. Um, I loved it so much that I was hating it. And that's, that's hard. I don't well, ever want to do this with my the love of my life. <laughs> well, and, yeah, and and it's unfortunate you had to kind of learn the the tough way there. But again, I think the message, which is being very clear about why you're doing what you're doing, and then sticking with that, keep mm -hmm. staying in your lane, if you will, and in, in a sense, oh, yeah. is is so important. And I'm I'm so glad that you shared that with us. And I'm sure that we could. I, I mean, just based on everything that the little bit that you shared with us today, I'm sure there are many many more stories out there. And in fact, oh, I'm. <laughs> I may have to ask you to come back on again and talk to us just a little bit about in-person sales because the experience oh, yeah. that you developed just on the cruise ship, much less with your wedding clients or much more even with your wedding clients, uh, I'm sure is incredible. They're, they're very different, very different experiences from ships to my wedding oh, clients. No I'll question. Tell you that, but it is just getting to learn on the ship was it was great. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, was, it was a huge learning lesson. So we may have to come back to that again, but I, I really can't <laughs> thank you enough for making time to share with us. Um, of course, just of all course. these experiences and, and fun stories today and ultimately some, some great lessons too. Where can our listeners follow you online? I know we already mentioned your Instagram account, someplace images. Um, yeah. What about your website? Um, 
So someplace images is definitely all of my my weddings, my glamour, um, and a little bit of my boudoir and women's portraiture um, on my Instagram. My personal travels and shenanigans, which there definitely seem to be a lot of those, is <laughs> at Carly Someplace. And then and my website is my main other one. I'm horrible about blogging, so I wouldn't ever say go to my blog. Um, <laughs> but uh, someplaceimages.com is where people can find me. That's perfect. Carly, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Thanks for making time for all of us. Of course, absolutely. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com.